conversation from the live exchange on radio that's not dumbed down. Uh, saying he's fake news and he isn't going to call for anything that is being searched on for Facebook right now that's uh, very popular. What do you make of identity politics? Lie, lie. I love you. Love story in one hour. This is the first time I'm back church. I'm not going to quit on that. This is America. get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives and engineers. People who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. 
but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Major key alert. Don't ever play yourself. The key is to make it. So make it. Learn the real major keys to getting to college at GetSchooled.com. Brought to you by Get Schooled and the Ad Council. Our freedom and security are made possible through the service and sacrifice of our military and first responders. The Gary Sinise Foundation provides many outreach programs supporting these brave men and women. Join us. Donate at GarySiniseFoundation.org. Good morning, ugly Ugly Doll is unique. I'm Moxie. Bobo. Wait. Those close to me call me Slick Doll. Which is not his name. And every child is, too. They can be pretty lovable. That's why when you travel, you should make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size. That sounds pretty great to me. Keep them safe by visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? <laughs> Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Queens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. social theories that exist out there and so um you know why this one in particular is being targeted is quite interesting but we're going to learn that there are many others as um including uh feminist theory queer theory um you know there's there's a and i can't think of the name of it offhand but it's a it's a theory that is um related to the latinx experience in the united states um so there are a lot of different types of critical theories um and so we're going to learn about what those are but i want to bring my guest on um first and um so patrick ladonis is a producer writer and actor who's been creating and holding space in the film industry since 1996 he is a multi-hyphenate triple threat in the industry. He was cast in the film A Time to Kill alongside Sandra Bullock, Samuel L. Jackson, and Matthew McConaughey. Patrick has continued on his path in the industry and has received several accolades for his work. 
Patrick is also a black man in the LGBTQ plus community whose goal is to change the narrative in the content created through the eyes of a gay man. Patrick makes it a point to develop stories that are relatable to any and everyone, um, not just the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Patrick Laganis. Hi, thank you so much for that, Dr. Pamela. That's a great introduction. You're so welcome. <laughs> I mean, you have a great track record here. You have a great history here in, in film. Yeah, uh, I will have to say, you know, the time to kill thing caught me off guard because I forgot, not the movie, but just realizing it's been 25 years Gosh. since that came out. And I was like, geez, I was, <laughs> I was just a kid. And, you know. <laughs> How time flies. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, that that was one of the first, I guess, movies that I really got to dive into that looked at the probably more so the justice system and how that impacted black people. Um, and so that that was a pretty big one, I think, for me in my era, which it sounds like it might be both of our era. It sounds like we might be in the same time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> time frame here. Um, so what kind of work did you do with um, A Time to Kill? Was it, it says you were cast, so you were in front of the screen or behind the screen? I was, um, I was in front of the camera. I okay. actually, back then, and I, gosh, I had to say back then, but in the 90s, <laughs> I was a, it was an under five role. So I had oh. under five, you know, five lines or less. But uh -huh. what was amazing was Joel, the late Joel Schumacher, the director, actually saw me in the I was getting my driver's license and he saw me in the DMV line and pulled me out of line and <sighs> asked if I would walk across the street to the casting department and take pictures to be a part of the cast and they ended up putting me in like I think maybe 10 scenes that I ended up getting wow. put in. Oh, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. I'm glad you clarified what under five meant, because I thought you meant, you know, kids under the age of five, but you <laughs> that is under five lines. Got it. Got yes. it. Got it. <laughs> that's a pretty remarkable um, experience to just kind of be picked out that way. I love it. Um, so what have you been doing since then? What has your how has your career sort of unfolded um, since that time? Well, in the film space, I, I will be honest and say that after A Time to Kill, of course, I then started college. And coincidentally, the year the film came out in 96, that was the year that I started uh, Tudor College as my freshman year. So everyone was like, oh, my God, that's the, the guy from A Time to Kill. And so from that, <laughs> I ended up being on, I appeared on The Lisa Show, which, again, oh, this yeah. is it's no longer on, but Lisa was an entertainment reporter. Yeah. And so I was on that show. And then I got a chance to be on 48 Hours with Dan Rather. They did a story on me. So it was really exciting to be this, uh, this young person being able to do things like that. And once I got to Tougaloo, I did make a film. I made a horror film, actually. And I think I was probably the second person ever in the like legacy of Tougaloo to, to actually do a film. And I had a premiere, everyone on campus, it's HBCU, so everybody dressed up and came. We had a limo. It was, it was a whole great experience. But to be honest, after that, you know, I focused more on my studies and I sort of, the passion of film, I sort of put it on pause and mm -hmm. then, you know, finished college, moved to Atlanta. And at the time, my goal was to either work 
for my goal was to work for Oprah. I, that's of course Oprah. Oh, that was my goal too. So that was the, that was the plan. But of course, you know, in life things things happen and you go a different you know different a different direction. So I sort of built my career in sort of the uh, learning and development space at, in the corporate learning and development space, and then in 2017, I'm fast forwarding um 2017 august 2017 while in barcelona a terrorist attack happened and it happened literally we were in the middle of a terrorist attack and it happened in the street square and my best friend that was with me was just after that we reflected on how you know short life is and how things could have happened and he's like you know you you don't write you don't do your film stuff anymore like why are you not Doing it, and I was like, I don't know. He was like, Well, today should definitely be an example of why you should, because yeah. tomorrow isn't promised. And I started writing, and because I like to make sure I get things right, I started doing some research on the internet. Discovered "Awkward Black Girl" by Issa Rae. <laughs> I and... love it. I, I discovered her too from a different angle, though. Like I can relate to this woman. <laughs> right, and so seeing that content on um, YouTube, I was like. I want to follow sort of, I want to make short form content and I want it to be representative of, of course, as you know, people of color, but then just really recognizing the uh, LGBTQ plus community that I happen to be a part of. And at the time, which God, it doesn't seem like it's been four years, 2017 in Atlanta, that's when we really started to see the boom of the film industry happen too. Right. So I decided to make scales happen. I ended up having over 400 people come to the audition that was very overwhelming because I was like what these many people want to come and audition for this and after that I got to meet some amazing people uh Zane oh yeah and then Shirley uh who became the director and it's sort of like the rest was I guess you say digital series history and I just began to create the show and after having the first premiere held at the gathering spot and we had close to 400 people come wow. and they gave me a standing ovation and I was like this is gold here, here we go oh. let's let's do it and so, that is amazing I wish I had known about it I would have loved to have been in the room for that um I am going to so we're going to go to break but I want uh, when we come back we're going to look at uh some trending topics but I want to hear more about scales so we can all get a, a good idea of what scales is um, so everybody stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. Use tearless baby shampoo because it's gentle on your baby's eyes. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You always test the bath water to make sure it's not too hot. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You make sure she wears a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You put on his sunscreen, even when he's embarrassed his friends will see. You do so much to keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Is your child facing the right way in the car seat? Is the seat too big or too small? How do you know when it's time to move your child into the next type of seat? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. 
Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. That's safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. live exchange on Dr. Pamela. <laughs> Every now and then I get a little bit like, oh, wait, are we, are we trending topics? I think we are trending topics. So um, this, um, this morning on trending topics, um, Howard University announced Wednesday that alumna Felicia Rashad has been appointed dean of the recent established College of Fine Arts. The esteemed actress graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's in fine arts from Howard University in 1970. Rashad, age 72, has served as guest lecturer and adjunct faculty member, conducting master's level classes at many colleges, universities, and arts organizations. This list includes Howard University, New York University, Vassar College, Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon, and the Black Arts Institute of the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. And uh, this is um, just awesome, amazing. Uh, Felicia Rashad has quite the track record in um, film and fine arts and um, uh, just across the board. Um, As you know, um, her sister Debbie Allen is a master of dance, and so it runs in the family. It's really interesting because there's been a lot of mixed comments most i've heard are are quite positive others i've heard you know oh wait a minute she doesn't have the education level she has a bachelor's degree um which to me is quite incredible because um given how long her career has been and and the, the breadth of experience that she has i think she might be quite qualified uh to to take on this role <laughs> what do you what are your thoughts patrick is patrick here Oh, there he is. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I love Felicia Rashad. I've been a fan of, you know, since she played Clara Huxtable. So I do feel that, you know, life experiences should equate to a lot. I mean, look at LinkedIn finally sort of said moms should be able to put that experience in their LinkedIn profile. So yes. I'm 100% for 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 her having the qualifications, she has them for sure. Right, right. Oh gosh, and and she's awesome. So I, um, I, yeah, she has all the accolades, all the accolades more than than um, I think somebody who earned a match, master's, an MFA, 
and um, you know, and hasn't had the experience, I would put her in that spot all day long. <laughs> so, um, so I also want to add that um, the we we also have Zane. I think I just got word that Zane is also here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and introduce and bring Zane on as, as well. Um, Zane Jawani is a former entrepreneur who launched ZJW videography in 2016. He graduated from the University of South Carolina with a degree in history and holds an AA degree in cinematography and film video production from the Art Institute of Atlanta. Zane is an Atlanta local of Pakistan and Indian descent. Over the years, Zane has filmed and edited projects for local filmmakers around the city of Atlanta. In 2017, Zane became attached to the Scales Project as one of the original crew members and um, as editor. He has been um, a staple point ever since. Zane later became a producer in, in the Scales series franchise for season three, as well as editor. Zane continues to work in the industry, um, at the industry he loves as a full-time content producer for a major brand company. So also uh, welcome Zane Jawani. Yeah, thanks y'all. Uh, yeah. One thing is that once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. Never yes. <laughs> Never. Yes. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. And I love that you are associating the film profession with entrepreneurship because it very much is. And I think when we think of entrepreneurship, we're thinking of, um, you know, these, these, these corporate type, you know, companies and businesses that produce um, products that are tangible that people buy. But in, in, from the standpoint of film, it's very entrepreneurial in nature. I, I would love for um, either of you to kind of speak to that a bit more. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just, you know, narrative film or any of that. Look, look at these YouTubers out here <clears throat> that are just giving recaps of TV shows and they're getting 300, 400,000 views. You know, those are entrepreneurs in my mind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Patrick, if you want to add to that. Yeah. Oh, on something that we as, as filmmakers or content creators, whether you're doing a TikTok video or something digital, it's your brand. And when you're yeah. building your brand, that's a form of owning your, your, your personal brand is a business. So it's a form of entrepreneurship all the way around. I, I really love that. It's, it's just kind of the modern day thing because, you know, I'm, I'm, I have not jumped onto TikTok and, but I love TikTok videos, of course, um, but I'm scared because I'm like, I have to learn something new. <laughs> and, and there are people who have truly mastered it. And um, I, and, you know, so I, I really admire um, the work that people are doing to, to really get messages out there. There are his, there are modern day, I should say you all, um, Zane and Patrick are our modern day historians because I mean, considering all of the things that are happening right now in this very moment, you know, of course we are in the middle of history in the making in so many ways. And the way that you are all documenting the way society is right now, I think is quite powerful. With that said, I would love to hear you talk about, give us a little bit um, of an overview. Um, Patrick, I, I said that I would let you talk about scales um, when, we, when we come back. So I'd love to hear, you know, what, tell us what scales is all about. Scales is really about, it's, it's the essential of having balance. And of course, the, it, the story focuses on Remy and his inability or ability to balance love and friendships as well as career. But at the heart of everything that's in Scales 
it's really about how we as people live and exist in this world trying to balance everything and there's a little bit of balance that we all do in our daily lives so when i think about scales i think about how we all are on a scale of balancing career love lives friendships everything life Ooh. is a scale oh my goodness and some of us are are better at balancing that scale than others um wow but we all struggle i mean it's all it's it, it is a journey to even get to the place where we could say okay i've i've found balance and even then you know th there's always something else that comes along that challenges us to find that balance all over again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when, when we're, we're going to go to break, when we come back, I definitely want to show a clip um, from Scales, and then um, we're going to dive a little bit more into some of the, the social ramifications of the film industry as it pertains to race in America. So stay with us. We'll be right back. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. <laughs> I love our kickball league. Oh, I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? Opiates has taken everything and everyone I've ever loved away from me. Everything. I blew my ankle out and I got prescribed pain pills by my doctor. If making my detox public is going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a warning. Opioid dependence can happen after just five days. Know the truth. Spread the truth. A message from Truth, the Ad Council, and ONDCP. If you're looking for that ratchet, you're in the wrong place. It's the nation's urban internet station, sensation station network. Entertainment, media, and critical race theory. Um, and the, um, we are um, really, um, Patrick and Zane have been working together to pull, you know, to produce um, scales. And um, is this, now, is this, um, Patrick, is this your baby? And Zane joined later. How did this, how did you two come together? Or did you both do this together? What's the story behind the scales creation? Uh, that's a great question. I'll say for, for me, it, it started out as my baby. And I think Zane and Shirley and I, we all like co-parent scale. Ah, so it. um, it's, it's one of those things where 
Zane and I were virtual strangers until we met and he saw the passion that I had for scales and he became a part of it. And it's like, we went from being total strangers to, I consider Zane like a brother. He's like family to me. Wow. I love it. So how do you, how do you two work together? A lot of people, um, talk about the struggle of what it, you know, what it means when you're partnering with somebody, you have your ideas, they have their ideas. Are there any ever any kinds of clashes? And if so, how do you all work through that? Zane. Definitely. We have to work through the clashes and like, it all goes back to the balance. You know, there's three of us for a reason yeah. and you know, we keep each other in check and in line. Um, but as far as like the way Patrick and I work together best is when we're really just sitting and have everything in front of us once the cut is down and working around music and stuff. That's our, I think the music really like enhances scales and shows what it is. And that's the best part. And that's when we really vibe and, and mold and work together the best. Okay. I love it. That's so great. So if we are ready, I would love to show a clip from Scales. Um, Sweet love is kind. Love the imagery there. I love it. So, what what are we seeing there? Oh, you're 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 seeing it's season three is like a, a train wreck. You're seeing <laughs> you're seeing everyone everyone's scale is being tipped to a breaking point. Ooh. Or at least that's what that's how I would describe it. Zane, do you think it's the same, or what's your perception of season three? No, I mean you hit the nail on the head. I guess like I don't know why that. What stood out to me in the trailer was that last clip that we actually ended up replacing uh, <laughs> in the finale. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone, a lot's changed. Season two ended with kind of a cliffhanger and a lot of characters not really getting pushed out, but roles changed and, you know, we condensed it down. And so, and a lot of curveballs in season three that really pushed everyone to the limit and tipped the scales, like Patrick said. Wow. Okay, so this is a um, a series, and where it where is it? How how can people watch it? Well, you can definitely catch up, binge watch seasons one through three, which is now on YouTube. Okay. And you know, I'll let people know. Following Issa's trajectory, it's it's short form content, so you can each episode averages about eight to nine minutes. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, you know, attention spans these days. Um, I, that helps me a lot. <laughs> um, so I love it. And, and I bet quite the, the powerful um, message can be put in there, you know, with, within eight or nine minutes. So I think that's great. Um, one of the things that I wanted to just kind of um, really dive into as we talk about film and media and entertainment um, is that element of um, 
of race and gender and some of the other um, elements that that might make it or have made it difficult for um, for people of color and underrepresented populations to really be able to um, be represented well um, in film. And if when I hear, you know, um, if, uh, when I think of filmmakers that are really making a difference, there's certain there's certain names that come to the top for me. We've got, you know, Ava DuVernay. You've got Jordan Peele. I know um, Patrick, you had mentioned, um, you know, creating a horror film and. Um, Jordan Peele has also kind of taken that genre, which I think is probably more um, psychological thriller, kind of, you know, horror in, the, in that realm, um, and has taken that and run with it, which is, is amazing. And then, of course, we have our friend Oprah Winfrey, um, who started her own network, Tyler Perry, who started his own complete film media studio, um, Issa Rae, Shonda Rhimes, um, and... Uh, and, I, and I have to kind of in honor of your culture and background, Zane, I have to throw in there um, Lily Singh, who is the first woman to have a late night um, talk show. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, well, I would say Monique had hers as well. So maybe not, the, they keep saying she's the first, but Monique had hers as well. But I know as far as um, an Indian American woman, Lily Singh is definitely the first in that realm. And um, I was, I happened to be up late and she came on and like, whoa, wait, what happened? When did we have a woman late night? That's amazing. Um, and so I definitely wanted to highlight that because um, it's amazing. It's a breakthrough. For sure. And, you know, I think it's, you know, rep representation is so important and you know I, I i look at all the the amazing people that you just mentioned who definitely are on my vision board and you know that's why i the story of scales it, it's a dramedy it's a show but there's there's a richness of the representation behind the camera i mean behind the scenes as well you know look at zane and i i don't know if we would have ever met had it not you know a project like scales brought us together. And right. I mean, I hope Zane is okay with me sharing this, but I've gotten to know Zane's family. Like, that's why I was like, he's my brother, yeah. not biologically, but like, I love his mom and his dad. They were at the premiere and just being a part of that and being exposed to that culture. And that's kind of what the world should be about. And that's what, you know, I think that's a beauty that people see in, in scales because it was made out of, you know, new formed friendships and just there's a bond there. And I, you know, I think that's why representation matters so much because yeah. there's so many things that we can learn from each other. And that's what I've been able to do working with Zane. Absolutely. I, I think that's amazing. One of the things that um, has been going around the media, getting a lot of attention, a lot of talk, um, is this concept of critical race theory. And I really wanted to kind of intersect that with this conversation because when we talk about critical race theory, um, most of the times we are looking at justice um, and things that um, are probably more obvious when it comes to the disparity of race and power and oppression, um, law enforcement, um, medical care, things like that. Um, very seldom do we talk about it as it pertains to media, film, and so forth. Now, we definitely talk about those disparities and representation in film, but I want to make sure that people understand that this concept of critical race theory really permeates every aspect of American life. And so just to give you a little bit about what that is, um, 
because it, it, it seems to have become this, this scary phrase that, um, that people want to now ban. Um, but essentially what critical race theory is, it's, it's just helping us to see the ways in which um, the structures of our country are um, designed to allow for more benefits for one race more so than the other. So critical race theory, um, they, they hold that the law and legal institutions of the United States are inherently racist um, and that they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, um, and especially in many ways African-Americans. So what they're saying is that this structure of the country was built on this disparity of race that enabled power to white people and took away power from people of color. And we've seen this play out with um, Native Americans. We've seen this play out with Mexican Americans, Chinese, Japanese Americans. We've seen this play out in so many different ways. And so what critical race theory does is it challenges us to look at where these inequities started, how they're playing out and what it looks like today to allow us to have our eyes open so that we can dismantle some of those things. And all of this has also permeated into film as well. Um, so if you, so I, I want to pause for a second and just kind of get your thoughts on the ways in which you have seen this play out in film. Um, why, um, we are concerned about representation in film um, and what are some of the challenges and the barriers um, that that we've seen um, when trying to have our, uh, you know, a real representation of ourselves be put out there in film. It's, I hope my question makes sense. If not, I can rephrase. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll start. I, I think when... I let's see. Gosh, that that was that was a very deep question. But I, I think it's it's really it's it's a juggle, and and I say that it's a juggle. It's a juggle in how or how we want to frame our story, because <laughs> we walk a fine line between entertainment and then become entertainment becomes the reality or the perception in which people see us. Yeah. I mean, if we really go into the semantics of cinematography and film, look at. New Jack City is a movie I, I love, but New Jack City glamorized, you know, it's drugs, it's murder, it's people killing each other, but we really liked it. And yeah. then you have Boys in the Hood. And so it, it's great cinema and it's, you know, we get to see amazing actors, people of color that we love. John, the late John Singleton was right. amazing. I can't but, believe you're saying the late. I mean, my goodness, but I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. And, yeah. But I mean, it, it's one of those things where we have to decide, you know, where 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 should our you know our story stop, start, and begin, and then where does the the true lens of representation of who we are as people of color, you know, what it really reflects? Because there were people talking about the the show Them on Amazon Prime, saying, "Oh, I can't go through this anymore. It's too much trauma." Mm -hmm. I watched it. And I didn't, I didn't feel that I needed to see it because if you, I, I don't know who said it, but if you don't remember your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so yeah. it's so important to have those stories. And it's important to have stories like New Jack City because that's part of the world or the system that happened, stemmed out of the 80s, drugs right. and all. I mean, it's, it's a real interesting 
line that we have to walk on as far as how we want to be seen. But I do think with the film narrative, we do want that space to be able to tell more than just one type of story. See us, see us falling in love, the love Jones. Where are more movies like that? We haven't really seen that a lot. The photograph, but people didn't really flock to go see the photograph. So why have we ran away from celebrating that, you know, black love or just people that look differently, you know, falling in love. So that's why I say it's a fine line. It's I feel like it's a fine line. Yeah, it really is. Um, And and I want to dive into this a bit more. Um, And I also want to uh, talk a little bit about queer theory um, when we get back because um, it's it's not always just race. Um, There are definitely um, other identities that are not being well represented in film. So um, stay with us. I will be right back on The Light Exchange. rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with the text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Okay, so five tacos, a cheese, and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave. Wink. Use sign language. Salute. Smile. Give the peace sign. Throw up an air high five. Do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Green light. Hey girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once. Like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. One in seven Americans will struggle with addiction during their lifetime. Want to know how you can help? Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to help turn addiction around. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council. SSNATL.com. When we dialogue better, we do better. That's what I'm talking about. More great conversation from the live exchange on radio that's not dumbed down. All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today I'm joined by Patrick Adonis and Zane Jawani, who are um, producers for uh, 
Tales, um, which is a, a web series and um, really sounds quite fascinating. So definitely check it out on YouTube. Today we are talking about entertainment, media, and critical race theory. And I just kind of gave a, a quick overview of what critical race theory is. And it's really just kind of analyzing uh, the dynamics of race and power in the United States um, and looking at the ways in which um, people of color tend to get the short end of the stick when it comes to different opportunities um, because of the way that the, the our society has been structured. And so, yes, while we're no longer um, in, um, you know, chattel slavery and, um, and, and those kinds of things, there's certainly um, areas in which we are still not experiencing the same kinds of benefits um, as the white population in the United States. And so when we look at film... Um, we can. Uh, there are ways in which we can improve representation of people of color in film. Um, but I also want to bring queer theory into the conversation because a lot of times when we talk about critical race theory, we, um, especially lately and in the media, um, it has been portrayed as kind of this one theory that is is a target to be attacked and that we need to take this out of the schools and we don't need to talk about this. But I want to bring to everyone's attention that critical race theory is not the only uh, social theory or socially critical theory that exists out there. There's a lot of them. In fact, when we were looking at a list, there were about 172 different critical theories of society. Um, and one of those is queer theory. Um, and so by definition, queer theory is a lens used to explore and challenge how scholars, activists, and artistic texts and uh, the media perpetrate gender and sex-based binaries. Um, and the goal of queer theory is to undo these hierarchies um, and fight against social inequalities um, as it pertains to um, um, gender, gender-based gender um, representation and so forth. Um, and so again, another opportunity um, to look at um, some of the inequalities that exist. And then there's also, um, you know, some some, I guess, critical analysis over um, sexuality because queer, you know, um, gender and sexuality are two very, you know, can be very two very different elements here. Uh, but in terms of sexuality and how sexuality is represented on um, in film as well, so um, just wanted to kind of dive into um, as your bio says, Patrick, um, that your goal within the LGBT community is to change the narrative. Um, and the content that's created through the eyes of a gay man. Um, what are your perceptions in terms of what needs to be improved in that area? Uh, I think what needs to be, so it, it sort of goes back to the, the, the last um, segment where we were talking about just with the critical, um, the critical racial theory of um, representation, that we're, we're, you know, in the queer space, we're not just one type of way. I yeah. mean, just how, you know, people of color, there's such a richness and beauty of us get to look at us through many, many facets. And I think that's the same thing about, you know, the whole queer, you know, being queer and just really, you know, especially for, you know, black people, we don't really talk about sexuality or gender or at least not enough. And so, you know, again, not to, to plug it, but the beauty of scales is that we show it without having to really have a story to focus on it. So these characters that you see on the show, yes, they are, you know, they identify as part of the LGBTQ 
plus community, but it's not the story that's being presented as so, sort of a storyline. You're just seeing these people live everyday lives and dealing with the same things that everyone else has to deal with. Right, right. Uh, well, and thank you for that. And, and Zane, I'm curious to know in terms of, you know, in, in your bio, as I, if I refer back to your bio, um, you're of Pakistan and Indian descent. And I'm curious to know from your standpoint, how is, how are Pakistani and Indian um families, relationships, lifestyles, and all of that represented in the media? And do you see that as um, sort of being a realistic portrayal, or is there work that needs to be done in that area as well? Um, well, I wish I had a better answer for that, because um, I was sort of like raised in the South, and my parents very much adapted the culture here, and, you know, they were raised in like sort of British kind of uh, society. Mm-hmm. So it weren't like the hardcore cultural Indian Pakistani people, but I would actually like see my uncles and aunts and they were very much different and very much raised, very more strict. Uh, and I, I think that the representation for them is a little bit stereotypical um like the stereotypes high and i think that is that's one thing that patrick through scales has removed from all these different cultures races whatever right Uh, he removed the stereotype because like you said they're everyone is just living their everyday life and right um, i take my hat off to him for that because he also i think he made it a point and correct me if i'm wrong patrick off the bat to really hone in on this idea of inclusivity like you have every single you know you have a guy who's got an african-american guy with a spanish sister in c1 and you have you know an age gap from one family where the older sister is about 25 years older than the younger sister so you did everything i think that was your point yeah i'd love that and 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 to your point about removing the stereotypes of course to some extent there are some, you know, there are some commonalities. There's things that are represented that might be reflective of some some people and other things that are not. And so I love the idea of let's just go, let's go broad with this. Let's look at a, you know, I think you mentioned New Jack City earlier. Let's let's look at that standpoint, but let's also look at love. Let's also look at careers and transitions and things that just that human beings experience and allow that story to play out, you know, for those characters based on who those characters are, not based on what society says those characters need to look like. Exactly. I a hundred percent, you know, and just one other thing I wanted to add to what Zane mentioned, two important things in skills. One, one of the characters is transgender. And that was never a story. And the entire season one, at the, no one knew it, which I thought that was amazing until yeah. season two, people asked. It's like, is this character trans? I was like, yes, he identifies as trans, but that's the whole beauty of it. you. You love the character and you watch the entire season, not even, you didn't focus on it, you didn't care. And right. then with uh, in season one, there's also an Asian American 
that's in this story. You rarely see, and I've said this before, where there's a same-sex couple of Asian-American, uh, African-American, Black guy in a same-sex relationship. I haven't seen it. The only relationship I've seen was Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker in Rush Hour. You don't yeah. see that kind of representation. So I was glad to really put that out there for people to, to see so, so much diversity in the show. No, I, I didn't even know that uh, that Gavin identified that way until about the third day of shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and so it's not, you know, targeting people like, oh, you have to be the token, you know, fill in the blank, um, but more so let people be who they are and let it just organically um, you know, come out as it does. So, um, wow, I love it. I love it. So we're going to go to a break. I uh, will come back, stay with us. We're going to talk about how we can connect with Patrick and Zane. So stay with us. From the live exchange on radio that's not dumb down. You use tearless baby shampoo because it's gentle on your baby's eyes. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You always test the bath water to make sure it's not too hot. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You make sure she wears a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You put on his sunscreen, even when he's embarrassed his friends will see. You do so much to keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Is your child facing the right way in the car seat? Is the seat too big or too small? How do you know when it's time to move your child into the next type of seat? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. That's safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Homewalk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, God. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon Gold. Uh, why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. of scales um, and, and under the larger context we're talking about entertainment 
media and critical race theory and just kind of really looking at how um, race has been um, or how um, the film industry um, you know has either integrated or portrayed in certain ways um, included or excluded um, race as it you know pertains to leadership and perception and film so so we're looking at all of those things and um i want to know if there's any other are there any other projects or things that that people can kind of jump on board with with what you two are doing sure uh i will just add that of course we have scales season four which will be that's a 2022 thing so just be on the lookout for that in the meantime, we can catch up on seasons. Catch up seasons one through three <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. And I am I am committed to making a another show called Spades, uh, S-P-A-D-E-S, which stands for Single People Are Dating Everyone Stupid. And <laughs> it's going to be, it's a total, totally different story outside of scales. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. So look for that this summer. I love me. it. That's awesome. <laughs> Zane, do you have anything uh, to add? Oh, go ahead. I've got, I've got something, but I can't really uh, reveal. Okay. Details about it. Um, let's just say it's about a certain someone. I, I can't, I can't say anything. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> if you want to catch up with things about me, just you follow me on Instagram, Zane Jelani, and uh, info will be released about this certain thing around July first. Oh, okay. So that's coming up. That's coming up. So yes, we'll definitely have to. Now I'm really curious. It's good too. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's really okay. good. Yeah. I love it. So do you? Do either of you um, have get, get into and like post? Um, I guess TikToks and things like that. Or are you more just kind of focused on your film production? I'm in everything. I'm starting to get more oh. in TikTok. Okay. And I'm getting more comfortable with it because I will get on TikTok on weekends and binge it and be on it for hours and hours. So I am starting to get more on TikTok as okay. well. So I'll be having content coming. I haven't gotten down that rabbit hole yet, but I know I'm going to eventually. I'm with you, Zane. I'm with you. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I know it's coming and, you know, I got it. I guess I got to do it. Um, well, I want to thank you both for jumping on uh, and joining me today and engaging me in this conversation. Um, how can we get in touch? I know, Zane, you had given us uh, quickly your social media information, but can you both reiterate that once again? Sure. I am on Instagram. I am Patrick Lodanis, all one word. And of course, Scales, the web series on YouTube. You can my email address is on there as well. Awesome. And mine's just at Zane Jawani, one word. It's my first and last name. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're both able to join us. We are definitely going to dive into scales. I love that it's on YouTube because we can comment and um, leave feedback and so um, and then subscribe. So I, I really encourage everyone to do that. Um, so thank you so much. Um, everybody stay with us because in the second hour of the show, we're going to have Janice Adams, who is a journalist, join us um, to have this conversation as well. So stay with us on the live exchange. Thank you so much, um, Zane and Patrick, for joining us. Uh, and, and we'll be right back. Thank you so much, Dr. Pam. Absolutely. Thank you.
conversation from the live exchange on radio that's not dumbed down. Uh, saying he's fake news and he isn't going to call for anything that is being searched on for Facebook right now that's uh, very popular. What do you make of identity politics? Lie, lie. I love you. A love story in one hour. This is the This is America. on entertainment, media, and critical race theory. Yes, in, uh, in, in, it's such a, an important topic. I want to make sure people actually understand what it is uh, so that we can discuss it intelligently. In the past hour, um, our guests, Patrick and Zane, who are the co-creators, co-producers of Scales, they joined us um, and we kind of explored a little bit of representation um, as it pertains to film. In this next uh, half of the show, I'll be joined by Janice Adams, um, who is an award-winning, um, best-selling author, award-winning journalist, and we will be further exploring the evolution of critical race theory as it pertains to entertainment, media, and um, um, society. <laughs> so stay with us. I'm looking forward to this great conversation in the second hour, and we will be right back on the live exchange. Dr. Phil here. You know, I help people solve difficult problems every day, but one problem has me stumped. Childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. Luckily, the Feeding America network of local food banks collects surplus food, giving hope to hungry children and their families. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Are you coaching? Everybody's a coach these days. I get it. Life coach, relationship coach, financial coach. But you want to be a coach with integrity. So get certified and do it the right way. Or add coaching to the work that you already do. Join a cohort or take classes at your own pace. We have knowledgeable instructors. We have a life-changing curriculum. Go to academyofcreativecoaching.com to learn more. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. 
Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay. I just popped some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake. Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are. But I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Good morning, Uglyville! Every ugly doll is unique. I'm Moxie. Bobo. Wait. Those close to me call me Slick Doll. Which is not his name. And every child is, too. They can be pretty lovable. That's why when you travel, you should make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size. That sounds pretty great to me. Keep them safe by visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? <laughs> Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When we dialogue better, we do better. That's what I'm talking about. More great conversation from the live exchange on radio that's not dumbed down. conversation around entertainment media and critical race theory um, because critical race theory has been buzzing around in the media and I think in so many ways um, in um, that that really misrepresents what it really is supposed to mean I really wanted to dive in um, and look at it from a, a unique angle from the media and entertainment angle um, and really how that impacts the perception representation and the experience of those who are in the film industry um, of color. So I want to introduce our guest for the second hour. That is um, Dr. Janice Adams, Emmy award-winning journalist, historian, entrepreneur, and key, uh, keynote speaker and best-selling author of 11 books. Dr. Janice Adams is the host of public radio's The Janice Adams Show um, and podcast. Dr. Adams has been engaged by history and culture um, uh, since childhood. A Northern school desegregation pioneer at the age of eight, uh, she was one of four children selected to break New York, um, New York's de facto segregation in the public schools in the wake of Brown versus Board of Education. A classically trained pianist, she is a graduate of New, York high, New York's High School of Performing Arts. Her master's is the nation's first graduate degree in Black Studies. 
Her doctoral chair was human rights champion and author Shirley Graham Du Bois, widow of Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois, father of Pan-Africanism, co-founder of the NAACP, which is pretty amazing. She holds a Doctor of Humane Letters degrees from Shaw University and the State University of New York. Um, so without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Janice Adams. How are you today? I am great. How are you doing? I'm great and glad to be here. Uh, so so you will be able to um, just kind of clarify a, a point of question that I've always had because I have heard Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois' name pronounced many different ways. How <laughs> how did they pronounce their name? <laughs> du Bois. Du Bois. Okay, okay. I have used his name quite a bit throughout uh, this show, and I have said Du Bois, and other people have said Du Bois, and um, yes, so thank you for that. <laughs> he, he is actually, um, he is not only the, the descendant of people who were enslaved by that name but he's actually a, a descendant of some of those folks so it yeah, he has yeah. the french pronunciation but he said du bois du bois well i will go with what he said and what his wife said <laughs> exactly that's how i know because i didn't meet him right right so tell me about working with i i i mean i didn't necessarily mean to open with these questions but i'm really curious um what it was like to work with shirley and i'm assuming dr um shirley Graham Du Bois. Well, she had, I believe she had several honoraries. Okay. Which were more than due. Yeah. And, um, but her name, Shirley Graham Du Bois. And uh, she was, you know, my first image of her was my husband and I had been invited to the University of Massachusetts Amherst. My husband was the musician Max Roach, the preeminent drummer composer and we were invited to the university because they were doing uh, an institute for pan-african culture and while we were there the african-american chancellor of the university uh, randolph Romery, he announced that shirley du bois was coming to campus wow and that she came because she wanted to know that du bois's papers and life's work would be carried, for, carried forward, UMass had a university press, and so she arrives on campus with eight four-drawer file cabinets of Du Boisiana. Wow. So in all of that, you know, that is my first impression of her, this woman with eight four-drawer file cabinets of her husband's papers. Wow. But in her own right, she was a composer, she was an author, she was a master mm. educator. She also, because you were talking about entertainment and media, yeah. after her husband died, she, well, actually, I think while he was still alive, they had moved to Ghana yeah. and he died in Ghana. Okay. And they had been, she had been invited to help build the state media. Wow. System. Wow. In the wake of um in in the wake of overthrowing colonialism. Huh. So Amazing. yeah, she fits in with that as well. She was kind of a big deal, it sounds like. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much in her own right. Yes. Uh, 
you know, and I think it's interesting because we rarely hear, you know, we rarely hear the stories um, with great depth of, of the work and the contributions that, that women have given, um, particularly black women over, over the history, you know, um, and I, I'm just so glad that you were able to share um, this story. I would love to learn so much more um, about her. Well, you'll have to read my book, Sister Days, which is, uh, the picture of it is right over my shoulder, on this shoulder, I, from the cover of it, Sister Days, 365 Inspired Moments in African American Women's History, um, and that it is from moments like these and conversations like these that I decided to launch, which has just begun, the Sister Days Book Club. Which is, uh, you know, it is virtual, so it's global. And it is a way for us to use our history for our power. To use our history, not because it's in the past, but because it is very much a part of who we are now. And to give us a sense of direction in terms of where we go from here and what we need to do and the the skills that and skill sets that we developed for ourselves so absolutely yeah i i i love that i actually was um checking that out and i thought you know what i have to i have to pick up this book um so i for sure because one of the things um that's really being kind of brought to my attention and though my um i guess racial awareness uh, really kind of really began to peak and, and when I was in college and for a lot of this this happens in college as you start to kind of wake up to different issues that are out there um are you what is that sound <laughs> okay another guest <laughs> like what's happening um but as I started to sort of wake up to my own racial consciousness and racial identity um you know there I, you know I delved in deeply with some of the more common names that are out there. Um, But it wasn't until recently, and I have to admit, as a, um, I'm a professor of research, and I have one of my best friends is working on her uh, doctoral work, and she's looking at womanism. And I, she opened my world up to a whole other lens of the black experience through womanism. And so I really, really, really want to talk about that with you today. Um, but really how she is now centering, she's committed, and I'm seeing a lot of black women do this. They're centering the work of other black women um, in their work. So they'll cite, Absolutely. there's a movement, cite black women, um, you know, and, and so what I've been seeing. Black women yes. as an organization, as a hashtag, as a movement of women scholars. Yes. I love it, and um, and so I have been committed to doing that even now. And I graduated college 20 years ago, and I'm thinking, gosh, where have I been all this time? And this is only now coming up. We, we have to go to a break, but I'm going to let you just uh, talk about that a bit because I, I really want to um, let people know and be aware of, of this whole idea of womanism. So stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back on The Live Exchange. Tearless baby shampoo because it's gentle on your baby's eyes. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. 
You always test the bath water to make sure it's not too hot. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You make sure she wears a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You put on his sunscreen, even when he's embarrassed his friends will see. You do so much to keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Is your child facing the right way in the car seat? Is the seat too big or too small? How do you know when it's time to move your child into the next type of seat? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. That's safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, God. Finding best potatoes for french fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon uh, Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. ExploreUnderstood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. based on the history and everyday experiences of black women. Um, and it seeks to restore the balance between people and the environment and nature and reconcile human life with the, uh, within the spiritual dimension. Um, and this is according to womanist scholar Lely Marpayan Phillips. Um, and so we also have um, Africana womanism. And this is something that was coined by Clonora Hudson uh, Weems. And so just... Um, would love to hear your take on this idea of womanism. I know that it was um, something that um, we, as black women, decided, you know what? Feminism doesn't really do it for us because it doesn't include us. So let's look at womanism. What are your What are your thoughts and take on well, this comment? When you raised it right before the break, I reached for, for the book, and I'm actually going to read to you something from, from Sister Days that applies to this. Okay. But to answer directly and to begin, Alice Walker was one of the people who first started talking about womanism mm-hmm. as, a, as an alternative to, for us yes. to feminism. And so it came out of, because so much of feminism was actually misperceived as being a a campaign against men. Um, And so that was the way white women were putting it forward. Not really, they were not campaigning against their husbands, they were campaigning in favor of themselves. And I have yet to meet a white man or a black man 
who is not a masculist. But all of a sudden, when he became a feminist, it became a problem. Mm -hmm. And so it was mischaracterized in all this nonsense that had to do with the doctrine of white male supremacy. That's mm -hmm. what the real issue was. Well, Alice Walker and other women said, okay, but this male-female dynamic, you know, our race bore the lash together. Yes. And so we need to something that actually expands upon that and that reflects our reality as well. And womanism, she was one of the first proponents of that. And I'm going to read to you from Sister Days. It's April 11th in the book. Um, on April 11th, 1987, for the annual Founders Day excuse me, for the annual Founders Day ceremony, a celebration of the 106th year of Spelman College, Alice Walker, Pulitzer Prize winner and former student, delivered the address. I do not intend to speak of war and peace, the economy, racism or sexism, or the triumphs and tribulations of Black people or of women, she led, although a discerning ear would note her obvious concern with those topics. Mm -hmm. She had come to discuss an issue much more profound, hair. Huh. Yeah. Beyond academic prowess, the mark of the Spellman woman had always been the ability to acquit herself as a lady in demeanor, appearance, and grooming. That meant confronting one's hair. The fact is, alone among the world's millions, people of African descent have hair that does not lay down on the job. <laughs> Our hair spirals up for the sun, only, and only we rarely express it quite so positively. I stood in front of the mirror and looked at myself and laughed, said Walker. My hair was one of those odd, amazing, unbelievable, stop you in your tracks creations, not unlike a zebra stripes mm -hmm. and armadillo's ears or the feet of the electric blue footed booby. That the universe makes for no reason other than to express its own limitless imagination. I realized I had never been given the opportunity to appreciate hair for its true self, hmm. that, it, that it did, in fact, have one. I remembered years of enduring hairdressers from my mother onward doing missionary work on my hair. They dominated, suppressed, controlled. Now, more or less free, it stood this way and that. Eventually, I knew precisely what hair wanted. It wanted to grow, to be itself, to attract lint, if that was its destiny. What do you think happened? The ceiling at the top of my brain lifted. With a revelation graciously shared, the author gave her tome a title and her audience a heads up on life. Oppressed hair puts a ceiling on the brain. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yes, yes, yes. Oppressed hair puts a ceiling on the brain. Absolutely. And I know exactly what she's talking about. I mean, I think we all have come from that if, if we're of a certain age. My daughters do not, thank goodness. But a lot of us do. 
is I know, I, I wrote an article about motherhood for essence years ago. And one of the things that I talked about in this um, way we learn about motherhood as daughters mm -hmm. and the way we condition ourselves for motherhood as daughters yeah. was the ritual of the hair. And the fact that it had me screaming, running for, life, for dear life until conquered. And my that opposed to my grandmother's statement that a woman's hair is her beauty. Hmm. So if your beauty makes you scream and, and flee, what does that say? Yeah, wow. Oh, there's so much there. There's so much there. Um, and, and we have to go to a break. We have to, you know, take care of our sponsors. So, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna marinate in that for a minute. Everybody, marinate in that for a minute, and um, and we'll be right back um, on the live exchange with Dr. James Adams. Major Key Alert. Life is like school. You will be tested, so pass it. Learn the real major keys to getting to college at GetSchool.com. Brought to you by GetSchooled and the Ad Council. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a warm place on a cold I want to day. be a football stadium. I want stadium. to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me... I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, today I am joined by Dr. Janice Adams, award-winning journalist, historian, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of 11 books, um, one of the most recent of which is Sister Days, 365 Inspired Moments in African-American Women's History. Um, and just right before the break, um, you read a beautiful excerpt um, from the book that um, I, you know, I jotted down some of the words and some of the key uh, phrases in what you said. And I, you know, from that, I pulled beauty, I pulled hair, motherhood, um, womanism. And then one of the things that you mentioned also was uh, the shared history that we have with black men as it pertains to um, oppression. I'm curious to know, you know, how are these elements wrapped up in your 
journey as a journalist? Because um, it seems that all of these would come into play somehow. Well, you, I'll, I'll start back um, because you mentioned at the top of the show um, or the top of the segment that, I, that we're doing that your awareness of race came about through uh, around the time you were in college. Yeah. For me, um, my mother used to tell a story about me um, that whenever <laughs> she would use it really to show me out, but it's an instructive story. When when I was three, my family took a car trip to the to Canada, and as we were coming across the border, the border patrol just said, "You know, is everybody a citizen or naturalized or whatever?" And everybody said, "Yes, yes, yes." And then, thinking that it would be cute to point to the littlest one of the group, he said, and and you, are you a citizen? <laughs> to which I answered, no. <laughs> and um, of course, everybody was, why would you say that? What are you saying? You know, and to which I answered, but you said we were all from Africa. Mm. To which my father said, <laughs> Sweetie, we were then, but we're not now. <laughs> so, so my I, I tell that story now on myself, number one, because it is instructive that our education of our children mm -hmm. begins as early as you can possibly begin. Sometimes yeah. you may have to answer a few questions, but but it begins as early as you can. My mother told the story of herself and her father, who was a Garveyite. And this brings it into the media realm. When, when she and her elder sisters were six, five, and three, my mother being the youngest, once again, the three-year-old, um, her father began a ritual where he would read to them from the New York Times every day. And especially on Sunday, then he turned it into a ritual where he would shell peanuts and he would read to these little girls from the Sunday New York Times. And he would instruct them, this is what politicians say, but this is what they really mean. You need to learn to read between the lines. And he would go on for these tiny little people analyzing what they were reading, critical thinking, mm -hmm. and putting it in perspective of their lives as, as young African-American children. Mm -hmm. That too, uh, it has been critical because from that, my grandfather continued it when my cousin and I came along. But from that is where the history comes to, I mean, these, I didn't think about it that way, but if I do, I would point to that, those moments before I was even born as to where the history, the self-concept, the contemporary events, current events, uh, analysis comes all together at that Sunday kitchen table shelling peanuts because yeah. of my grandfather and because he was a Garveyite, a you proponent know. of Marcus Garvey. Wow. Um, and a follower of Garvey with the whole back to Africa consciousness. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So that's what I come from. Um, but when we look at things today, you know, I, I when I went through the civil rights era, you did recite that I uh, was one of the four children who desegregated New York City's public schools. Yeah. And um, I was eight years old when I was brought into that. And there were moments that were to be, to soften it, were difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, these days, when I speak about it before an audience, I will talk about the mother who spat on me and tore my clothes and then sent me into school and then how the teachers, because I didn't look right after that experience, you know, pushed me to the back of the classroom and all of that. And I come to the point of when, to me, this is critical race theory. Because critical race theory is about understanding what this doctrine of white supremacy has done to damage the psyches of everybody and how whites who ingest it and want to carry it forward then use it to propel their hatred. For right. Black people, I say, you know, we often say, you, you hear, it pains me, you hear Black people say, oh, they hate me because I'm Black, and I will say these days, and please repeat it, no, they don't hate you because they're Black, they hate you because they're hateful. Yeah. Anybody who would do that, put the onus of all of this where it belongs. Critical theory, critical race theory is about that, and then it's about bringing that forward and saying, how do we now deal with it? How do we now all navigate our way, not through it, but past it? Yes. You know, um, it, it is also when, when Trump used it, exploited it, as he has exploited things before, right. like the Central Park Jocker case, in which the five boys who were terrorized, intimidated, totally oppressed, thrown into jail, Trump, use that to take out full page ads calling for the return of the death penalty right for an assault on a woman who was not killed she yeah. was raped right but not by those boys right and afterwards those boys were exonerated now the 1619 project comes along and by the way i did my own 1619 project that i had begun before i didn't I even knew that they that the Times <laughs> was going to do one. Yeah. But it, it was called um, About the Latter End of August, A Journey from History to Healing and Hope. Wow. And every day for 30 days, I did something in that vein to look at the history, put the history in context for our healing. Mm -hmm. And only when you do that, can you then move towards hope? Otherwise, it's baseless. So, um, but what does Trump do with it? And the Trumpettes, as I call them, <laughs> they use that to create craziness yeah. around facts of American racism and how it impacts us to this day. And I always find it interesting 
racism in America isn't controversial. The preponderance and the perpetration, perpetuation of racism is not controversial. But when you call attention to racism, call it out and say, what can we do to end racism? Mm -hmm. That becomes controversial. And that's precisely what critical race theory is. Yes. Is, is, is bringing it to the forefront, calling it out and saying, and, and let's fix this. Let's resolve exactly. it. So when I hear, when I get on TV or I watch TV and I hear um, Republicans or whoever it is um, wanting to cancel critical race theory, essentially what they're saying is we need to cancel these conversations about oppression because this is getting too far. We, we might actually get to a solution if, you, if, if it keeps getting discussed. Exactly. You know, um, I pulled up a couple of things to share with, with you when, when you said that this was the conversation that you wanted to have. So many of us have heard Dr. Carter G. Woodson, the founder of Black History Month, mm -hmm. talk about, you know, racism in education and how if, if I, his famous quote has to do with um, the, the front door and the back door that because of racism, if, if even if you don't tell a person to go to the back door, they will because their education makes it necessary. Mm -hmm. But he has another even more important statement in that book, The Miseducation of the Negro from 1933. And I'm going to read it to you. He said, this crusade, meaning the crusade for us to understand our own history from our own context as well, um, because at that point, understand in, in America, Black people are the only ones who have been said to have no history and no culture. And that is nonsense that was put forward well into the late 20th century. Mm -hmm. And you can hear shades of it even now. Years ago, um, just a quick digression, in 1990, I launched what was the first national book club for African-American literature and culture. And it was called Harambe, taken from the uh, Kenyan concept of let's all pull together that they had used for the revolution against um, colonization. And so I looked at the fact that we were pulling together the authors, the publishers, and the readers, and we would pull together with Harambe. I got death threats for, for, for launching that book club. Wow. I got, I had, when you came to my home in Connecticut, you heard these signals going off because we had to turn that house into a Fort Knox of there were signals on the driveway. So we knew immediately if anybody came on the property unwanted, all that because of death threats for launching an, a book club. And, and I got these responses that said, who are you to think you have books that someone would read? That was the kind of context that we were coming out of and going forward. That's what we have to know is in our past. I'll read the Carter G. Woodson when we come back because I know you're about to go to break. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be right back. <laughs>
When we dialogue better, we do better. That's what I'm talking about. More great conversation from the live exchange on radio that's not dumbed down. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the ad Adcom- Marie Callender's knows that you may not have time to roll out dough for a perfectly flaky crust that's made from scratch. Or enough time to mix vegetables with all-white meat chicken and a homemade gravy. She knows you may not have a moment to crimp the edges of your favorite chicken pot pie. But Marie Callender's does. And when she's done, all you need to do is find time to grab someone special. Sit down and savor her. Marie Callender's. It's time to say. If you're a single man under the age of 35, you'd probably like to know what the ladies are looking for on an online dating site. A guy who had a few drinks and later got pulled over for buzz driving. See, that could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. And doesn't a guy who's back living with his parents but calls them my roommates just scream Mr. Right? Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the app. This is big business. This is the American way. Station, station network. See ya. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Pamela um, with the Live Exchange. I am joined by Dr. Janice Adams, and we are talking about media, entertainment, and critical race theory. Right before the break, Dr. Adams was um, going to share an excerpt from um, Carter G. Wilson, who um, is a founder of um, Black History Month, but also, um, you know, founded Black Studies um, and the Association for the Study of Black um, African American Life and History. So, um, a great source. Would love to hear the excerpt you're going to read. Well, this is from his 1933 book, The Miseducation of the Negro, which is uh, one of the books for which he's most famous, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And he's talking about why we need Black history of course, called Negro history at that time. And he said, this crusade is much more important than the anti-lynching movement because there would be no lynching if it did not start in the classroom. Wow. Wow. Woo! Yes. I mean, And so when we get this pushback on just what you were saying when, when you were talking about the pushback on the 1619 project is be, and people not wanting to hear what it, what it said, but most importantly, not wanting to have to address what it called right. for. Yeah. It's because, you know, they are, they are going back to that and you hear them going back to it in very vicious ways. Most recently last week, there was a, steady drumbeat of ignorant people who had been elected to Congress trying to rewrite what the three-fifths clause was and to say it wasn't such a bad thing. (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. You know, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of that lately. Um, And, you know, I wish I had the collection, the collection of incidences in which, um, you know, politicians have tried to put forth policies using language of um, Jim Crow, not even realizing that that's what they're using. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I don't want to say they don't realize it. Well, and I think they absolutely do know what they're doing. I agree with you. Yes. The claim that innocent claim. I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, they're lying. Absolutely. Lied about January 6th. I mean, they're lying about January 6th because they were lying about the election. Absolutely. We have to understand that this is about lying. So often right now we're talking about going back to Jim Crow and I'm going to be writing about this, but we're this, this movement is going back further and it's more insidious. It's going back to 1895, which is the period of time that they ratcheted up to have Plessy versus Ferguson essentially unleash Jim Crow in 1896. That's the danger of where we are now. We are, we, this is a very conscious and insidious movement. When they talk about we're going back, yes, they are going back to the period where they want to legalize oppression once again. That's what all this voter suppression is about. Absolutely. And, you know, and I love that you, um, earlier in um, the last segment, you were saying that, um, you know, when, when people say they hate me because I'm black and your rebuttal or response to that is, no, they hate you because they hate. And when we saw the insurrection happen on January 6th, that's exactly what we saw. We saw a hate that just, it, it attacked whoever was in front of them. Um, the blue lives that they so um, wanted to protect um, the, the, the other, you know, anything that got in the way was in danger. And we've been saying this for centuries, for decades, that this hate is dangerous for everyone. And we got to see that on January 6th. And to your point about lies, this entire movement is founded on lies, beginning with the manifest destiny, probably even before that. Um, but yes, absolutely. And so we're seeing the lies right, you know, in our faces every day. And, and it's so, uh, bold, incredibly bold. It's bold, it's vicious, it's greedy, it's sick. And it goes, you know, we talk about what we experienced. And the one correction that I have for us is that we keep referring to, uh, in general, the country does, we refer to slavery as America's original sin, but it isn't. We cannot, we can, I as a black person cannot keep ignoring what was done to indigenous people. Yeah. That's the original sin. Yeah. You know, that conquest that was unleashed by a Catholic Pope in the 1400s to Mm -hmm. stop Europe from warring amongst themselves. And so he brings out a map of the known world, the then known world, and he says, Spain, I'll give you this. France, I'll give you this. 
Portugal, I'll give you this. Can you, and, and people who, who have no problem with that, I've asked them, can you, if, if I told you that, uh, an indigenous shaman had taken his map of a known world and said, Cherokee, I give you England. Shinnecock, yeah. I give you Spain. Would you think that was rational? Right. And here we are still caught in that in 2021 in, in, the, in the deprivation, in the, the depravity is what I'm really trying to say, in the depravity of that mindset and that greed. That's what we're talking about. Um, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, when you when you mentioned rationality, is there anything rational about it? And it, it's interesting that you would ask that or say that because absolutely you're right. There, There's nothing rational about saying we're going to take a known place and claim it as our own. And that is the exact same thing that we are seeing happening right before our eyes today. Um, when we see the party talking about we need to create a um, an Anglo-Saxon party that supports and, and, and nurtures and preserves cultural values of Anglo-Saxons, um, when the question is even asked, what does that mean? The answer that I saw was, well, you know, um, Marco, uh, I'm sorry, like the arts of, um, uh, I can't even think of the artist yeah, right now, right. but, but it's I something mean- that makes no sense. It, it also makes no sense, once again, yeah, it sounds great if you're, if you're racist, yeah. but it makes no sense because Columbus was not Anglo-Saxon. Right. So on one level, you want to talk about Columbus, and heaven forbid you should read the opening pages of Columbus's logbook, <laughs> in which he lays out what it is that he was sent to do. But And I urge everybody to do that. Um, you know, yeah. but here we are talking about these, the, the, the first European quote explorer known to have come to this continent wasn't English either, wasn't yeah. Saxon either. It was Norwegian. So, <laughs> and not only was it not just a, a man, it was a woman. <laughs> so please get your lies straight. Right. You know, at this point, I live in I live in New York, and driving into upstate New York, I suspected that Trump might win that first election mm-hmm. um, because I saw far too many Confederate flags in New York. Wow! And I'm saying, but don't you understand the Confederacy was responsible for killing? If you're a Northerner, there is not one. Northern family, well, maybe there's one. So let's let's say there are extremely <laughs> few Northern families who date back to the early 18 to mid 1800s. So their children were young enough to go to the Civil War, who did not lose someone to the Civil War. Yeah. Why are you celebrating the Confederacy that killed one of your own ancestors? Uh, and, and, and here I am in the South wondering why you're supporting the, the you know, celebrating it and you, you lost and a lot of your people died in that as well. Um, but, 
it, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> no, um, but I have a, an answer when when you okay come back. <laughs> okay we'll talk about that when we come back. But why the South cannot let go of this Confederacy it is beyond me. Um, and I'm from California, so we were just we weren't involved in any of this. <laughs> um, anyway, um, actually, I wasn't. My family was involved. Uh, we'll be right back on the live exchange. <laughs> You use Tearless Baby Shampoo because it's gentle on your baby's eyes. You make sure his toys don't have any sharp edges. You always test the bath water to make sure it's not too hot. You taught her what to do when the smoke alarm goes off. You make sure she wears a helmet when she rides her bicycle. You put on his sunscreen, even when he's embarrassed his friends will see. You do so much to keep your child safe. But are you using the right car seat for your child? Is your child facing the right way in the car seat? Is the seat too big or too small? How do you know when it's time to move your child into the next type of seat? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. For information on the right seat for your child, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. That's safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, God. Finding best potatoes for french fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. ExploreUnderstood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Theory. Um, we really have just been focusing more on critical race theory, but that's okay because it needs to be discussed. There's too many misconceptions um, about it. And, and I mean, there's a question that we left with um, that we're going to um, have uh, Dr. Adams answer. But I first, I first need to say um, that um, it, it's interesting how the evolution of, of knowledge happens. Um, because in childhood, I had an understanding of what it meant to be Black within the context of my own household and my own family, which was safe. And then when I got to college, I realized, oh gosh, the world isn't, the world, this stuff that they've told me about is real. You know, I, I experienced things. And now at this phase of my life, from a scholarly standpoint, I have another lens that's allowing me to kind of look at the world from more of a critical 
um, uh, you know, academic standpoint. And so it's just so interesting just to kind of look at the evolution um, just of my own experience, um, which which makes me curious about the experiences of others. Um, but before the break, we were talking about this commitment, this loyalty to the Confederacy. You said that there's one family in, in New York City that might still be loyal to the Confederacy. In all of New York State, maybe one. What is going on in the South that is that has has people and I and I say this you know out loud while I'm here in the South that has people so committed to this Confederacy? Well, you know, the, the Confederacy is duly called the Lost Cause. Mm. And, I've heard that before. <laughs> yes, it is. It is called the Lost Cause, and there was a whole movement around resurrecting the Lost Cause, which is what. Jim Crow and segregation was all about. I mean, you can't have this kind of approach to life without being a violent thug Mm. that terrorizes other people into submission. That's what it really is about. But, you know, so when people see the monuments and we say, my goodness, these monuments weren't even from the era of the Confederacy, they're built later. But the greatest monument that was built to the Confederacy is the American educational system. Yeah, gosh. And in 1919, three big uh, Confederate heritage associations came together to create the curriculum and to change the curriculum to make it in favor of accommodating the Confederacy. (laughs) and putting the confederacy in positive light yeah and they succeeded they they sent out materials essentially to major schools all across the country it was adopted that is the twisted view of history that we have to this day if you look in the average textbook which has now expanded from elementary school through through college on American history. Black history comes in with slavery, Rosa Parks, then Dr. King, and that's the whole story. And that's because they added that later. Before, there was nothing. They did not discuss slavery. And if I may, before we go, I just want to say that all of this is why I, I am so pleased that that you've invited me, that I'm able to share this. But this sense of self that we need continuing in the heritage and the path paved by Dr. Woodson Mm -hmm. is why I'm doing this Sister Day's Mother Daughter Book Club right now, because too many people have come to me in pain saying, if I'd only known in terms of how they then think their own lives would have been different if number one they had a different perspective of the country of themselves and what that says about themselves and the potential that they're able to then project for themselves right that's what this is about for me it, it is about being life affirming I love it. And, and you know, um, this has been working. Um, it, uh, at least one of our guests commented, um, LM has said, this is such a phenomenal discussion. I'm listening with my daughter and she just asked me to teach her more about feminism and womanism. 
Um, and so this is this is having an impact. Um, uh, so I, I really appreciate you for having this conversation. I actually would love to um, do another show that goes in um, even more deeply on these things because um, you hit it on the head when you said that the, the, the biggest monument that was created was education. And that is why there is such a threat and why there's such a pushback on the 1619 project on critical race theory this is an attack on on education that actually enlightens and tells the truth um yes so i i appreciate you so much i know that we are over time so if you can just quickly let us know how to connect with you um in the future well thank you so much my website is janusadams.com j-a-n-u-s adams.com and you'll find everything and right on the home page is the sister days mother daughter book club if we don't know our story ourselves how are we going to tell our daughters how are we going to tell our sons yes oh, i love it thank you so much thank you so much i'm so glad that you were able to join me today um and i thank you all for tuning into the live exchange where every week we exchange compelling dialogue around intellect humanity and change um, join us next week at 11 a.m. as we talk about um, the tech world and what it means to be a person of color um, in the world of tech. To, uh, together, every week, remember, we can right the wrongs, we can speak the truth, we can rise above, and we can stand for change. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here with us today, Dr. Adams. Um, and all of you have an empowering week.